I, I want to show you something in scripture though just quickly before uh, Bishop comes if you would look at Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 I want you to see something in scripture I feel the Lord has uh, shown to me Matthew 28 verse 19 I believe most of you probably all of you have heard this verse before and seen it and read it it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, everybody say the name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to talk to you about baptism, but I want you to see the words and how they are in this verse. Everybody say name. So how many names is that? One name. In the name of the Father. So we know it, with our English understanding that the name is repetitive here. The name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Ghost. There's only one name. Not different names for different manifestations of Him. The name of believe that the name of one more time baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost now if you look at second timothy chapter 1 verse 7 second timothy chapter 1 verse 7 there's a reason why i wanted you to see that wording there it says, For God hath not given us the spirit. Everybody say spirit. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So there are how many spirits here? One spirit. Just like there's one name. The name of, and of, and of. The spirit of, and of, and of. Again, he's not given us the spirit of fear. So that's one spirit that he's not, that's not him. Fear is not of God. The spirit of fear is a real thing, and it is something that some people have been given and have taken have received have accepted if you've been given the spirit of fear it was not God that gave you that that's another way we can say that but he has given us a spirit everybody say one spirit he's given us his spirit these are some attributes of His Spirit. It is the Spirit of power. It is the Spirit of power He's given to us. It is the Spirit of love He's given us. He's not given us the Spirit of fear. And understand, yes, He loves us and He is love, so He loves you. But even different than that is he's given us a spirit of love that means the spirit of love that he's given me should be operative in my life and I can't go through life hating people but saying I've got the Holy Spirit inside me you can't do it if if he's given you his spirit it is a spirit of love So, and, and, and it is a, let me say this, it is a transforming spirit. It changes you. It should change you. If it's allowed to operate, it should change you. You know, when, when, I, I, when I was a kid and we quizzed, and I loved to memorize the really short verses. Because they were really easy to quote. I'll quote one to you quench not the spirit 
That's a nice short one. I think that's First, first Thessalonians 5.18, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But it's somewhere in there. But quench not the Spirit. Let me give you an example of disobeying the Scripture and therefore quenching the Spirit. If God's given you the Spirit, and it is a Spirit of love, but you see somebody and you think, uh, I don't really want to love that. I don't really want to love that person, them. I don't love that. What's happened? Well, that spirit of love is being quenched. And the scripture tells us, quench not the spirit. Now, you're with me so far, but I want you to stay with me. Because we know it's a spirit of power and it's a spirit of love. And of a sound mind. It is a spirit of a sound mind. That is different than just saying, let's all try to think straight. Because your mind and your mind and your mind and your mind are different from one to the next to the next. So what we need is the spirit of a sound mind. We talked about this a while back. Let the church have the same mind, have one mind. That is the Spirit of God. We can't all be thinking different things, different ways about something and say, well, it's just the Holy Ghost making you think different than this. No, He's given us. Everybody say, He's given us the Spirit of a sound mind. If you've got the Holy Ghost, just like you ought to be exercising the spirit of love, you ought to be exercising the spirit of a sound mind. Oh, it's a lot easier to say, well, that person just struggles loving other people. They don't have the spirit of love. Oh, then we get into, oh, but they're... they're they think this, and that's, this is their thoughts, and their mind just works that way. That's who they are. Well, you can, who the, if who they are is not a loving person, we say, well, you get the Holy Ghost and you need to love people. But if who you are is somebody that doesn't think straight, well, we say, well, you get the Holy Ghost, but then you can't really still think straight because that's just who they are. No, he's given us the spirit of a sound mind. I have to have his thoughts. I have to have his mind. This is what the scripture says. Let this mind be formed in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He had the spirit of a sound mind. Amen? I'm not going to take the time to read it today. But it, the Gospels record the story of the man, at, they call him the man of the Gadarenes, or a, 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 a man that was possessed by unclean spirits. Maybe you've heard the guy that says, what is your name? Legion, for we are many. That's the, the story that we're talking about. There's a whole lot in that story that if you read through it, the Lord will just show you many principles and powerful concepts there. But one, one of those is after... Jesus goes to him and casts out those spirits. They go into a herd of swine. It says they were, uh, they were feeding. So th these were, these were uh, grazing pigs. I heard, I, I'm, I'm pointing that out because I heard somewhere on the radio this last week, pigs don't graze. Well, maybe some, some do and some don't. These were, that's what the scripture says. They were grazing in the field. 2,000 of them, it says. And the, the legion of evil spirits leaves that man and goes into the pigs and they throw themselves off a cliff into the water and it says that the water choked them and they drowned. There were people watching those pigs. Herdsmen, farmers. I don't know if you can call them shepherds, but they're watching, you know, shepherd pigs. You pig herd pigs? I don't know. But they were men charged with watching the pigs. 
and they go into the town and say, we have to tell somebody what we just saw. They're not going to believe what we just saw. We got to go tell them. So they tell them and they get the crowd and the crowd comes to see the scene of the event. What happened here? Well, when the crowd shows up, they see something completely unexpected. Because the, the, the shepherds, the, the, the herdsmen go to get the crowd and they say, yeah, do you remember that guy, that, that crazy guy, the one that nobody can control and he's just out there screaming and acting crazy and all that? Yeah, yeah, we know who that guy is. Hmm. You, how many of you have lived in Wapato before? You are aware, I don't know that he's still there, but there was a guy on a street corner. You know who I'm talking about probably just by saying that. So reputation travels. I mentioned that because they know when they go into town. Do you remember that guy? Oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, I don't take my kids anywhere near him. Yeah, that guy. They all go out. Well, he, he's over here. But you're not, you just got to see. I can't, this is what happened, but you need to come see. So they, they take a crowd with them. And they see Jesus and the man who, I would say, previously had the evil spirits. And they say, they see him sitting, clothed, and what else? In his right mind. He had, he had a different mind before this. But now, he's in his right mind. And the, the reaction of the people is just the, the, what confounds me the most. Because they see Jesus and that man, and it says they were afraid. Not of the guy. He's like the least scary he's been in a long time. They're afraid of Jesus and what he just did. What he just exercised. And they, <laughs> they said, uh, we don't want you around here anymore. You have got some kind of strange power and ability and we are not comfortable with it you just better get on out of here you know the story he goes into the into the boat the man who previously had the evil spirit says let me come with you please and Jesus says no you stay here and you need to go tell your family and your friends about what's happened here I haven't looked, and I don't know if, if that town and that region comes back up anymore in the, in the Scripture or in history. But what Jesus did, He said, they don't want me here, but I'm at least going to leave you here. Because they cannot refute the change that's happened in you. I am leaving my witness here of what's taken place. Why don't you stand with me? I'd like us, before Bishop comes, I'd like us to pray over our own minds if you can do that. Jesus, God, I pray. I want the spirit of a sound mind. I want it to be exercised in me, Lord Jesus. I want these thoughts to be your thoughts, God. I want them to be filtered through the Spirit, through the Holy Ghost, Jesus. God, I need that spirit operating in me. I need it to control me, Lord Jesus. God, I know that there's so many voices and thoughts and influences, God, that we face on a daily basis. God, some things we've given ourselves over willingly to. Other things are influences, God, that have come in uninvited. But whatever they are, Jesus, I speak against them right now and I claim, God, 
I loose, God, the spirit of a sound mind. Lord, I want it to transform us. God, I want it to, to guide us. I want it to be the thing, Lord, that gives me direction, gives me understanding, gives me truth, Lord. I pray it in Jesus' name. Please be seated. Thank you all the flowers. Good to be here. The Lord dropped that same setting of Scripture in my mind this morning. And then I ministered it in Selah this morning. So what this tells me is this is the mind of God. Okay? If I were you, I would go home and I would read through that entire setting of Scripture for yourself. Okay? I'm not going to re-preach everything he just said, nor what I did this morning. I may draw a piece or two from it, though. What I want to talk to you about is prayer. Prayer. I experienced spasmodic praying in my early walk as a believer. When I would go to services over at 1118 McKinley, that's where I got the Holy Ghost, was baptized. I would go into the prayer room, oh, 15 minutes or so before the service. Because there were a few others that did that. It was encouraged, but there wasn't many. There wasn't many. Were you there? Thank you. I'm glad you were there. But that was my spasmodic praying. I did not have a consistent walk and prayer life, as we call it. I didn't have it. I would have these different times. I drove truck at the time. And so, you know, you think about things. You think about the things of God. You listen to the tapes and things like that. It would take me into prayer at different times. And I would experience that going down the highway. And so that would last longer sometimes than what took place in the prayer room. Again, I didn't know a lot of the Bible. I just was new. I was still young-ish. I was 24, 22, between 22 and 24. Anyway, uh, it would be years later. And, uh, again, still kind of spasmodic praying. I would have seasons of prayer. And then I would have seasons of very little prayer or no prayer. I would go to church. I was a part of worship services, just like you are, like this. But I did not know God in a life of communion and prayer. I traveled with a man for a while. And he ministered on early morning prayer. His name was Tony Bailey. And we went to England. We went to Singapore. We went to Japan. I was involved at his invitation to go and be alongside him and minister. But I watched because he had experienced more than 16, 17 years of what he called praying early in the morning. He would cite many scriptures, one in particular, Jesus arose a great while before it was day. And so he ministered not just prayer, but he ministered on the concept of early morning prayer. And so after a while, returning home from one of these trips, I, it had impacted me. I watched it impact entire congregations. I watched, inter, I watched congregations come under a spirit of intercessory prayer. Wherever we traveled. We did a manifest meeting one time down in Phoenix. And saw, it was, to me it was miraculous what took place there. It was, an, it was an apostolic assembly church in Phoenix. Through some connections and relationships we had. And Pedro Guzman flew out. Matter of fact, from Florida. And he was a part of that conference. 
we saw the move of God. Well, I was learning that my experience in praying was affecting me. It was affecting my perception of God. And then there was, uh, and, you know, Tony and I would talk all the time. And we would talk about various dimensions in prayer which I did not know early on until after having prayed. For a season of time, I entered dimensions of praying. Listening to him talk was the first time I'd ever heard anything like that. I'd never heard any, anybody anywhere talk about dimensions in prayer, deep things of the Holy Ghost. I'd, see, I'd hear references of that. Uh, but I remember I ended up writing a book, When Men Pray. It's really a booklet. It's not that long. As a testimonial. See, I knew there were many in leadership positions that didn't pray. I just knew. And I had been one of them. Again going back to my spasmodic experiences. And because of my evolving role in leadership, I knew it was my duty. And so returning home after one of these trips, I thought, I'm just going to start going to the church early in the morning, and I did. And uh, I didn't voice it. There were a few that found out about it, and uh, some started just coming and meeting me down there for their own purpose and reason. And that went on for some time. It went on for seven years. Daily. There were no days off. But I remember learning early on and then describing it in my writing that there were, you know, I went first out of duty. And I realized a lot of people begin to pray out of, you know, a fireman experience. Jesus is a fireman. My world is on fire. Hell! And Jesus comes in and saves you. Thank God. Good Jesus, fireman, thank you. I'm on with my life. Until the next fire. Anybody relate to my fireman experience story? Okay. Well, out of duty, I, I realized... I moved on to a place of reward after praying consistently and developing a re relationship of communion with God there are many rewards that begin to surface and I don't mean like awards on the wall I mean like things happening the change that was happening in me the change that was happening wherever I was ministering out of the communion with God experience. Okay, now, I'm gonna, I'll shorten this because I could talk on this part a long time. But there was the development of getting to the place of simply coming to be available for Him. If He needed an intercessor, here I am, Lord. I'm here. Here I am again. Here I am again. And there were times when the Lord would put it on my heart to pray for specific situations that I was unaware of. And some of them were in different places of the world. And then God would make sure I got a report. One time it came through an email within 10 minutes of praying the prayer for people in Pakistan that I don't know. And literally got one email. And I'm asking you to please pray for me and my family in Pakistan. And I had just prayed the prayer. Now, the Lord was doing that for me to show me and for me to gain an understanding of this communion relationship, prayer relationship with God relative to His kingdom in the earth. Not me getting my stuff. And not really even touching my family members close relatives friends that's all there and that's that's a given 
when God leads you in that direction, okay? So, so that season of prayer had various motivations. And I don't know why, but I was asking myself this morning, why do I pray? Because my prayers changed. My, my praying has changed. My faith in prayer has changed. It's matured. But I'm asking myself, so why do I pray? And then I answered myself. Because you believe. It's not guilt motivated. I need to pray. It's not systematic schedule. I'm a disciplined individual. It's time for my prayer time. No. No, my prayer comes. In moments and situations where I know because I believe I'm responsible to pray. I got on a plane one time and felt responsible to pray for every soul on the airplane. It was a wide body. I don't remember how many people on the plane. But I remember sitting there and praying for those behind me and, and then those behind them. And I began to talk to the Lord about the many souls on the plane that I don't know, but you know. You knew where they were this morning. You saw them when they packed they're bad. You know the circumstances that they're facing every day. And you know who's lost and who's not. And I prayed for their salvation. Not knowing who was on the plane. Because I had become responsible as a believer. I can't go out of this life knowing I could have prayed and didn't. I don't want to leave this life having people who nobody prayed for. And I could have. Now that was a strange flight that I was on. When I got off and we went through customs and I looked to my right there was this short little Hispanic lady from New York. Acacio Cortez. I didn't know how to say her name. What is it? Alexander. Yeah. She's standing right next to me. She's about this tall. I thought I was short. Man, I should say something. Nothing positive came, so I didn't say it. But I realized when I left the baggage claim, somebody's paid for her. A spirit-filled, blood-bought believer. Because she was on that plane. I can walk away knowing she's been. I can't hardly get into a large crowd without just between me and the Lord in a restaurant and begin to pray for the people in the restaurant. I, I don't, you know, see, we're so feeling motivated. Well, I was feeling, I wasn't feeling nothing. It's all about responsibility and believing that if I pray, Revelations 5 and 18, if you don't mind. So why, why do I pray and why would I not pray? Well, if I don't believe it has any effect, I might start out of duty. I might start out of guilt, but I, it won't last because I don't believe it's effectual. I don't believe it's effectual. I mean, I give lip service to it. I give lip service to it. And when it's quoted and preached and 
cited the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much I shout to the rooftops with everybody else but is it the thing because I believe it that motivates me to pray speak it out There is no 518. Mm, sorry. It speaks of the vials being poured out in Revelation, which are the prayers of the saints. See, we are, we are so relative to the idea, I pray now, it's got to happen now, or it didn't work. Rather than the idea, because I uttered it, I uttered it, then now it's in the hands of God. And there will come a moment, there will come a time, When a vial is raised and poured out and things will take place in the earth because it was the prayers of the saints that were prayed. Now, back to this piece that uh, Elder Flowers was talking about, this man of the Gadarenes, devil-possessed, out of his mind, Crazy, lunatic, supernaturally strong. That was not the strength of a human that broke chains or fetters. He was supernaturally strong. I've witnessed, I've witnessed it. I've seen it. You probably have too. I know what you have seen. You have seen people out of their mind. North First Street, front of the mission, drive past there, and you will see people out of their minds. Some of it, Drug damage, fentanyl, heroin, whatever the case, alcohol. Alcohol is a drug. You realize that, right? I was bound by alcohol in my early years. So my brain was being affected. The way I thought was being affected. Now, you will see people who are out of their mind just like the guy we read about he's out of his mind but yet this encounter with Jesus and he is sitting he's clothed and he's in his right mind one touch of the master's hand one encounter one connection something Now, I'm driving down North First Street, and uh, I, you know, somebody makes a movement. There's a lot of movement these days. A lot of shadow boxing. Notice that shadow boxing on the sidewalk, and realize there's only one guy in the fight. What in the world is going on? Or you'll see this conversation going on, and he is mad at somebody, and there's nobody there. Well. You may see somebody. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Afflicted. And so I see movement and I look over and because of the heat, there's a man, he's not real dressed. It seemed like he had a cane or something and there was a telephone pole right there and he had a bunch of stuff and he was just letting it rip. but I've been in a mind of prayer. These people that I'm picking up, rideshare, Uber, I'm praying their name. I'm speaking their name. I've told them when they got in the car, I prayed for you this morning, and before you got in the car, you know, at the end of the conversation, and the, where it's all headed, but I'm in a mind to pray and pray for people. And so when, I, when that picture that image leaves 
my peripheral vision, I just cast out a prayer for that man. And a voice speaks to me. He's beyond help. You can't help him. He's already past the point. Talk to the hand. I'm pushing right through you. Talk to the hand. Let me tell you why. Jesus, you came to seek and to save that man which is lost. You took stripes upon your back for his healing. You're not willing that that man perish, but that he comes to repentance. And I'm pushing through. He is a liar. He's the father of lies. And he will try to discredit every time we pray towards a situation that appears helpless. But we got book. We got book. We got a man in the Gadarenes that was so out of his mind and filled with devils. And they tried to chain him and it wouldn't hold him. And he's clothed. He's sitting. He's in his right mind. There's nobody out of reach. There's nobody out of reach. But to pray got to believe I got to become a believer I got to become a believer that as a blood bought as the redeemed as a part of the redeemed as a spirit filled believer that when I lift my voice to my father concerning any matter he's listening He's attuned. He wants to engage and get involved. Here's what I can't do. I cannot pray according to my history. I cannot pray according to my experience. I really cannot pray according to my feelings. I have to pray according to the Word of God. That's my foundation. That's my base. I may have prayed for five people today, laid hands on them that they would be healed. And not have one of them be healed. I won't want that to but number six. No. It doesn't matter the history. It doesn't matter the experienced. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He took stripes upon his back for their healing. I'm laying hands on now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've seen the miraculous. Not every time I pray. not the healer I saw a man's withered arm grow out right before my eyes he was six feet in front of me I have experienced instantaneous healing several times I don't judge my praying based on history experience I base it on the word of God And this is how I fight the devil and that voice that comes to try to accuse and say, it's hopeless, give up. It ain't working. Look, it ain't working. Look, it ain't working. Talk to the hand. Talk to the hand. Let's see If I don't become a believer, I won't pray. I may start. I won't continue. Lord, help me to mature in my praying. Help me to mature in my faith. Faith comes from you and in from the Word of God. Help me to mature that my praying is truly effectual And I can stand upon your word. I can't tell you how many times I go back at him. 
he who sticketh closer than a brother. Oh, we have a friend in Jesus. And say, Lord, you're not willing. It's your will that this man be saved. It's your, it's your will that this man be healed. It's your will. See, the road to getting there was probably much longer than it should have been for me. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. I had been in the church for 15 years. Don't let that be your experience. 15 years before I had any genuine faith in my praying and in my communion. God wants to use us every day. Listen, He wants to use us every day. There's been a man. How many's been up on the hilltop over here? Brother Garcia's hilltop. We've had some great meals, prayer meetings. We went up for the food, but we prayed too. There's a guy up there by the name of Preston. Anybody remember him? He's an acquaintance of Brother Hart. It's been going on for some time. He was up there. I've met him a few times. My wife had to make a trip out of town to, to take care of some things with her niece and nephew. So I thought, you know, I'm going to I think I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to go out and I'm going to drive for a little while. In the evening. I never do it in the evening. I just do it in the morning. So I get in the car. <clears throat> I get a ding. Oh, wow. All the way out to Spanaway. But it's a 45-minute run. That's got to be an airport run. I get out to Spanaway and I pull into a driveway and there's a, man, a woman and a young man. I learned that that's mom and son. And she says, how how do you like driving Uber? I said, I really like it. But my motivation is probably different than some. I do it for ministry. You in the ministry? I am too. And the person that you're taking to the airport, her dad is a pastor of a big church in Dallas. Man, you guys are going to have a great trip on the way to the airport. I can tell already. Young lady gets in the car. And we start down the road. Get to know each other. And it's great. She says, you know, actually, I grew up in Yakima. We all grew up in Yakima. You did? Yeah, but now I'm in Dallas. My, my dad's down there. All my family, a lot of us over here in Spanaway. But we got an uncle. Lives in Yakima. He's a pastor. What's his name? Preston. You tell me God cannot coordinate and direct our footsteps to put us together, to bring people along in various ways. He did it throughout the book of Acts. Every day. Hear me. Every day. It's us. We're the players on the field. Every day. You, you're called. You, you're chosen. You, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is who we are. We can expect it. Find your community. God's given you a community. Now, we might call it a job. Find your community. Be aware 
be active and I'm telling you God will put his word in your mouth because he gave you the ministry of reconciliation he gave to you the ministry of reconciliation he said I'll give you the word that reconciles you know we talk about broadcasting the seed casting the seed sowing the seed and the graphic that we get is a man sticking his hand in the satchel and throwing out 500 seeds. I was looking at some trees in the park the other day. They told me they were planted in the 1890s. And then I realized when the man told me that. One seed. Oh, they've shed their own seed. One seed. A word fitly spoken. I had a lady the other day. She summoned me. It was early in the morning. It was at the church praying. It was about five o'clock. And I got in my car and got out on the road and it disappeared. Huh. Well, I'm on the freeway now. I think I'll go ahead and go into Sumner and maybe I'll stop at McDonald's or something. And then it summons me again and I think, that's the same person. It's taking me to the same place, which is Tahali, 25-minute drive. And I start praying for the name. She's a Kenyan woman. She's a caregiver. And she says to me after we start our dialogue, you know I canceled this. And a voice said to me, this is an appointment. You know how I wanted to scan over every word now that I have spoken. Out of her mouth, this is an appointment from God. You need to go. And I know there needs to be a seed, a word spoken, sown into this woman's life. She tells me, she says, I lost a son a couple of years ago. The Lord's helping me, but I'm still hurting. And I'm I'm healing. The Lord will heal me. I said, really? I said, you know, my grandmother, she lost a son. He was only 32. He had brain cancer. He was a teacher. And she told me when she came home, from the funeral she knelt by her bed and began to pray and God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that was the seed I knew it I'm telling you this is the hour that we're living in it's the hour that we're living in you're you're a chosen one don't make fun when I say you're the player on the field. He's called you to this hour. He didn't call Peter or Paul or Mark or Matthew. No. Jared. He said, Jared, this is your hour. Joel, this is your hour. I'm going to put the ball in your hand. When he called Philip, out of Samaria you know he was a deacon he wasn't an apostle he was a deacon one of the leaders in the church probably a Sunday school teacher and he called him to leave Samaria where there was great revival happening and said just go out into the desert just get on I-5 and head south And then on the journey, he said, there, see that chariot? Join yourself to that chariot. I don't know why, but I get this football analogy. Go out for the long bomb. Because when they rendezvoused together, that man is right where God wants him. He's reading Isaiah. He's left Jerusalem. He was in Jerusalem. What, what, 
Why did he just have run into one of the apostles in Jerusalem? Because you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. And he's putting the ball in your hand. There are people that you are to meet. And you are the one to speak the word and have a spirit of witness. After that you have received the Holy Ghost. We've all been waiting for it. It's, it's time. It's time. Let the boldness of the Holy Ghost come upon you. Let's pray that right now. Father, I pray let the boldness of the Holy Ghost come upon me. Let the inspiration of your Spirit be manifested in my heart and life. Give me that word to speak, Father. That one seed to sow, that you will bring the germination of it, Lord. Some plant, some water, but it's you that brings the increase. It's you that germinates that seed and brings it unto life. Unto life in the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name. Amen. Bishop said something that I, I want us to pray about before we go with the Lord to help us. Because he said, find your community. And let me give you some help. This is not your community. This is your family. This is your family. But this is not your community. As many different people as there are in here, there's that many different communities where the Lord wants to get what's shared among this family out into those communities. Would you just join me and find a place to pray? Your, your community goes back as far as, your, as far as your history, your past, and it's all around your present right now. Would you pray about that, Lord Jesus?
considering the, the communities, the areas of influence, the places that God puts us and takes us and has us share His Word. It's important, I think, that you understand that you don't necessarily have to be the dominant voice in that community. 
I think a lot of times we dismiss ourselves because we think, well, I'm not in charge, or I'm not the boss, or I'm not the whatever. I'm not the outgoing one. I'm not this or that. So, I, you know, it's probably not my place to speak. No, you, you, we need to understand it's not about what is or who is the dominating voice. It's about the word that is fitly spoken. So, I'm not letting you off the hook to say, well, you're not the, that because the word still has to be spoken. Right? The seed still has to be sown. Imagine taking a, a pocket full of seeds and, oh, you would do so well in this field. Yes, you would. Put them back in my pocket. What have I done? I've done nothing but to sow the seed. And then I say, I hope you do well. I did my part. Amen? The power of God is in the word, the seed that we speak. Lord, I pray that your voice would be speaking through us, would operate through us, God, would be shared through us, that the word of God would dwell in us first, God, and then that you would speak it through us, that you would share it through us, Lord. Give us boldness as we've prayed today. Give us wisdom as we pray, God. Give us the Word of God at the time that's needed to be spoken to the individual or to the group, God, that You would have us speak to. I pray it in Jesus' name. Your Word, God, let it rest and abide and dwell in us as Your people. We give You thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Remember Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, be here early. Be ready to receive. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.